Amen. Let's go ahead and get your Bible to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. I uh, never have any idea who's going to show up before I teach or preach. I just uh, preferably prepare and then just trust the Lord to apply whatever it is to whoever he brings. And uh, we continue to speak frankly uh, about issues that affect married couples. We have a lot of differences between us in here, but the one thing we do have in common is we want our marriage to be better. Uh, We want our home to be better. And as I say all the time in this class, the things I teach in here, I don't practice any of these things perfectly. Uh, Everything I teach, I do try to practice. And I can tell you that over the years of marriage, the better um, my wife and I have applied these things that I teach, the the better our relationship uh, becomes. Uh, The principles God designs for marriage, you know, they they just work. And um, it's obvious it takes more to have a healthy marriage than just good intentions and love. Um, Everybody has those when they walk down an aisle. But it takes more than that to have a successful marriage. Uh, before we answer some questions, I'm just going to repeat those nine things. I repeat all the time. Nothing can be taken back that's done to this point. Uh, what's done is done. Number two, all of us can hope for, uh, that we can hope for, is to change today and tomorrow. Uh, they can change and be better. Number three, if you're struggling, you didn't get where you are in a day, you're not going to get out in a day. Uh, but by the grace of God, things can be better and you can get out. Number four, you can only control one person. Uh, I ask you focus on that one, uh, focus on that one in this class, focus on that one in your home. It, it, you would be amazed how much better your spouse will do when you do better. It, it's a, a crazy thing because what we want is we want them to change so we change, but that's just not the way it works. Number five, there's always hope as long as God is involved, God is love. You can begin to love if you never loved. You can love again if you stopped loving. You can love more if you don't love enough. Uh, Number six, no one's destined to repeat the home in which they were raised. If it was bad, you can succeed. Number seven, no one's assured to have a great marriage. If you come from a home with a great marriage, you can fail. Number eight, uh, the person to whom you're married now is the person to whom you're supposed to be married. Uh, And lastly, the marriage you're in now is the marriage you're supposed to be working on. Uh, A lot of the questions that you guys have turned in uh, have been related to communication or how to disagree or fight fairly. And so um, we will get to all of that stuff. Uh, Today I'm only going to just answer a a couple of questions uh, related to things we've talked about. And we will soon enough get to spend two or three weeks on on fair fighting. Uh, Number one, my husband blames me for not accepting his role as leader in our home even when his decisions are not good. How can I help him see this without hurting his confidence? Um, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta honestly face how well you actually accept his role as a leader in your home. You know, it's one thing to say I accept his leadership and another thing to really do that. Uh, the second thing you need to ask yourself is are his decisions really that bad or are they just decisions that you don't agree with? Remember, those are two different things. Are they really that bad, or are they just what you don't agree with? Um, Ask yourself, are you being a good follower? 
Uh, how about this? This is another good question. Are you getting any wise counsel before you make, before you make big decisions? Uh, people who want to do what's right, they have no issue getting wise counsel. Wise counselors, uh, they're never going to tell you what to do. Wise counselors are going to give you some biblical principles to apply to the situation, and then you do what you do in the light of that wise counsel. And so if you are willing, and he's willing, to get wise counsel, then it puts those decisions in the light, you know, of, of godly wisdom, and then it'll pretty much take care of itself. Um, by the way, I'm really glad you recognize the fact that how you follow or attack or criticize his leadership makes a big difference for uh, his confidence in the future. Uh, number two, how do I lovingly discourage my spouse from getting counsel from someone who gives unwise advice? Um, you start by, and everybody I do premarital counseling for, I always recommend that they find someone on whom they agree to, to be able to talk to. Uh, I believe every woman needs to have a godly woman that her husband is comfortable uh, with that person knowing their private information. Uh, I believe every man needs a godly person that their wife is comfortable uh, with that person knowing their information. That's why you do that. And if you don't have that as a couple, you, you should have that. Because one of the worst things in every relationship is when either the husband or wife shares information with somebody that their spouse is not comfortable knowing that information. And it's a betrayal of trust. And so that problem would fix itself if you would just do that. And basically, if this person that they get counsel from, if you don't approve of, you know, you just tell them that. And, um, and then they need to stop. Uh, number three, my wife wants to homeschool our children. How do I tell her I don't think she can educate our children very well? <laughs> uh, by the way, this is an old question, but I put it in, and I put it in every time because it brings up a really important issue. That the way we choose to educate our children, uh, it's an important family decision. Uh, unfortunately, what I've noticed over the years is when somebody makes this decision, there's always somebody else in their ear wanting them to educate their children the way that other person educates their children and they just lobby them <laughs> uh, I will say this also whatever way you choose to educate your children if it leaves them poorly educated and unable to get out of bed to keep a schedule and be a responsible human being you have failed to educate them uh, the way you educate your children depends on your strengths depends on your children's strengths Depends on the school system you're in. Depends on your income. Depends on what Christian schools are around. There is no one size fits all. Uh, get wise counsel. Talk to people who've been in each of these systems. Find out what they learned. And by the way, don't go talk to somebody with a first grader. You know, it's very, diff very different to have a good 8-year-old and a good 18-year-old. Very different. So find somebody who, who's gone through these systems and say, hey, what did you learn? Why did you do what you did? What did you feel, what, what did you feel like were the difficulties you faced? What do you think were the strengths and weaknesses? 
And, and every one of these systems has its strengths and weaknesses. Uh, listen, and you may not like to hear this, but if Christian education and homeschooling were such a great answer to everyone every time, why do so many of those children not follow their faith when they're 18 or 20? Talk to anybody who was, has been involved in either one of those. And there's a lot of times they fail. Uh, find the system that's good for you and, and do it. I, I think depending on you and your gifts and your children, I think all of those are viable choices. I say, I don't like that answer. Well, that's my answer. Question number four, my husband works a lot and we don't have much time for dates. Uh, what should I do? And this is really... Uh, comes from the fact that uh, I really recommend for every couple to have a date every week and some time when it's just you, when you have someone else watch the kids, unless they're an infant, uh, and, and you just go out and do something together. Uh, making time for one another is a choice. Uh, making time for your spouse is going to require sacrifice and effort. Uh, fact of the matter is, is that most of us want to selfishly use any free time we have. Uh, the other thing I'd recommend to you is first, be glad your husband's not lazy. You know, there, there's a lot of lazy men and women out there. Be glad that he's not lazy. The second thing I would do, uh, look at the way you spend your money as a family. You know, sometimes we, we develop spending habits that make it so... Well, we can't even live if my husband doesn't work 70 hours a week. Or in the cases of people that, you know, are not being paid hourly, well, if my husband doesn't make $100,000, if he doesn't keep this demanding job as an executive, we, we can't afford it. You know, listen, I don't care how many times a company says they're a family-friendly company. Nobody cares about your family like you. I, I no, nobody. You and you alone control whether you prioritize your marriage, whether you prioritize your children, whether you prioritize your faith in Christ. Listen, no organization is going to do that. And sometimes you need to make the hard choice and say, you know what, and I can speak from personal experience. Uh, my company on two different occasions wanted to promote me to a place where it would take my life out of balance. And I just said no. Say, well, that means they won't promote you anymore. Yes. Yes, it does mean that. I'm okay. To, to me, and I mean this, and, and I'm not a young man anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm an older man who did this, and I'm glad I did. The most important thing to me is, is my faith in Christ and my family's faith in Christ. The second most important thing to me is my relationship with my wife. And the third important thing to me is my relationship with my children and period, and I would rather live in a tent. Did you hear, I mean it, a tent, than give up any of those three things. And um, that's what I think about it. <laughs> I, I'm just so tempted to chase this rabbit, but it's probably more pro important appropriate when we talk about finances, but I, I believe so many people, they live in a manner that causes them to be unable to, to prioritize their life the right way. There will come a day in your life 
when you will much rather have had a relationship with your children and your wife than a big house. Hebrews chapter 13. Now, one of the uh, important areas of marriage and of life in general is communication. And when we have good communication, it minimizes conflict. Uh, unfortunately, uh, very few people come from homes where there was good communication. <laughs> uh, I would describe most homes, including the home I came from, uh, bad communication was the norm. And a lot of people undervalued learning this skill. And so what I want to spend today on is just some practical pointers for good communication. Uh, I believe all of us, including myself, we could stand to improve on this as an individual and as a couple. Uh, this is one of the areas of my life I'm constantly working on uh, as a husband, as a dad, as a father-in-law, as a pastor. Uh, I, I have come over the years to just understand that this really makes a big difference. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 uh, in verse 16, uh, 15, says these words, But uh, by him, therefore, uh, that's by Christ, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with, what, which, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now, it may surprise us to read in verse 15 that uh, praising God is a sacrifice. Uh, it's a sacrifice because, you know, sometimes we don't feel like doing it. Sometimes we don't see the goodness and the love of God in that moment, in that situation. And to praise God despite what we see at that moment, it's a sacrifice we make by faith. Um, in verse 16, it's interesting that to do good and to communicate, it says, don't forget, it says, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now, it doesn't surprise us at all to read that to do good is a sacrifice. We, we get that. Um, but with communication, uh, most particularly here, of course, it's speaking about witnessing for Christ, but any kind of communication, good communication, is always going to be a sacrifice. Always going to be a sacrifice. And a lot of people, they hide behind the fact that they're not naturally a good communicator. They hide behind that as an excuse to never work on it and try to become a better communicator. But the fact of the matter is, is that good communication is learned behavior. Please hear me. Good communication is more than being a talker. There are a lot of people who are naturally talkers. Uh, they can talk about anything. They can talk continually. They can talk to all kinds of people. But communication, good communication is more than being a talker. Uh, actually, good communication involves talking about the right things to the right people in the right tone at the right time. And good communication also involves listening. In fact, good communication reduces the chance of one, of both, one or both of you expecting something different than your spouse. Suppose one of you expects the other one to be home at five. But the person, other person, doesn't think that there's any time 
that they are expected home. You've just set up the situation for trouble. And it all really, at its root, is poor communication. In other words, to have good communication, someone is going to have to sacrifice to take the lead in good communication. Um, now, that may vary from, from home to home to home, and it doesn't really matter who it is necessarily that takes the lead in communication, but someone's going to have to take the lead, and it's going to be a sacrifice to do so. And sadly, in most cases, uh, especially when you're younger, that's going to be the ladies. Men, uh, young men in particular, are notoriously bad communicators. Notoriously bad. It's learned behavior. Somebody is going to have to take the lead in making sure a communication happens, and that's going to be a sacrifice. Listen, if you're that person, at times you're going to grow weary of being that person who's the person who always makes things happen, who always makes sure that it's talked about. You're going to grow weary of that, but somebody needs to make the sacrifice to make it happen. It's also a sacrifice to accept the way your spouse communicates. Nearly always, a couple have different ways of communicating what they want and what their will is. Please understand that not all communication is verbal. I remember one time meeting with a couple, and she was just really, really uh, angry at her husband, and he was very angry at her. Apparently, what had happened is there was a situation, and he had not verbalized to her what he wanted done in the situation, and so she was really, uh, he was angry at her for doing something that he uh, didn't want done, and she was angry at him because he didn't talk to her about it. And I just asked her a real simple question. I said, did you know what he wanted? I know he didn't talk to you about it, but did you know what he wanted? She said, yeah. I said, well, he did communicate. He just didn't talk to you about it. See, communication is not always verbal, and someone needs to make the sacrifice, not just to take the lead, but to accept the way their spouse communicates at that time. Listen, it's very easy when you're the talker to just assume that no communication occurred because they didn't speak to you. But a lot of times there was communication. It's going to require sacrifice for both people because it takes time and effort to communicate. Time to speak, effort to listen. Remember, communication is not just talking, it's also listening. And most good talkers, and I'm speaking my hand is up, most people who are more talkers by nature, do you know what I'm not naturally good at? Listening. In fact, I would describe myself, although I'm a little better today than uh, what I used to be, I'm still not good at it. You know what? I'm not a good listener. But communication takes sacrifice to listen. Now, God chose to place you and I in an era when people's good communication skills are basically on the decline. Because Facebook and all sorts of social media has become the, whether it's email or whether it's tweeting or whatever, it has become such a common way that we communicate. What's happened is that people in general, they are worse communicators than they ever had to be in the past. 
because we do so such little face-to-face communication. By the way, one of the greatest things you'll do for your children, if you have children, is limit their screen time. Because if you give them unlimited screen time, what's going to happen to them inevitably is they will not learn how to communicate face-to-face and in person. Um, Don't lift your hand, but if you've ever had anybody text you a question and you didn't bother to respond, probably every hand would go up in here. To me, uh, one of the most irritating things there is is to text someone uh, a question to which I get no answer. To me, it's just like me going to Aaron and saying, hey, what'd you do this week? And Aaron just turns and walks away. <laughs> but, but I, and I get that in our culture, it's a socially acceptable thing to have someone text you a question or email you a question or, and you don't respond. But even though it's socially acceptable, it is bad communication. Bad communication. Listen, if you and I are going to have good communication, if we're going to be good listeners, one of the first things we're going to have to do is put our phone down. Am I the only one who feels like someone is not really listening when you're talking to them and, they're, and this is what they have? Are you talking to them and even worse, this is what they're doing? I, I get it. I, I, I mean, phone addiction is not just teenagers. But probably most people in this room are either addicted to your phone in some way or borderline addicted. It, it, it's listen. It's the, it's as if the person in front of our face that that doesn't matter as much as who might like what we um, the picture we put on Facebook of our lunch. Probably all over this room are are people, and you literally put something on your Facebook, and then you wonder, wow, I wonder why such and such didn't like it. And and you are in this vicious cycle of of thinking to yourself, wow, you know what, if I don't like what such and so put, they're going to think I don't like them, or they don't think that I'm paying any attention. What a vicious and terrible cycle. Everyone needs to put your phone down at times. They're one of the biggest hindrances to healthy relationships. Listen, your life is not on Facebook or Snapchat or or Twitter or any of those things. Your life is your real relationships. Are you making the sacrifice to communicate? Making the sacrifice to listen? Are you making the sacrifice to learn how to better communicate? Are you making the sacrifice to allow your spouse to communicate the way they're capable of at this time? That doesn't mean they shouldn't be more capable five years down the road. Are you making the sacrifice to let them communicate the way they're capable right now? And if you and I really want to minimize the frustration and conflicts in our marriage, somebody is going to need to make the sacrifice to communicate. You say, what does it take to have good communication other than sacrifice? Go back, please, in your Bible to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. I know some of you think that the stuff I'm talking about today doesn't matter, but on a practical basis, these are some of the most important things 
to keep your marriage healthy and your relationships good. Listen, if you are a multi-million dollar, uh, a multi-millionaire and all your key relationships are falling apart, you will not be happy. You, you won't be happy. Uh, you can be living in a much smaller dwelling with a much less prestigious job and driving a much less nice car. And if you have a happy marriage and a healthy relationship with your children, you'll be a much happier person. This stuff matters. What does it take to be a good communicator? Here's the first thing. Good communication requires integrity and transparency. Those are big words, but they're really important. Integrity and transparency. And so you need to build both of these to help your marriage. This, to me, is one of the interesting sections of Proverbs. I always call it God's hate list. And, and some people, they have such a uh, warped view of God, they don't even understand that there are things God hates. Uh, by the way, you, you can't love flowers and not hate weeds. Uh, that's just the way it works. God has things he loves. He has things he hates. And the, this, the stuff in this list is just not the kind of thing we think God puts there. And as we read them, I want you to notice that of the seven things that God calls an abomination, three of them have to do with our words. That, that's super interesting to me. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, there's three, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift uh, in running to mischief, that gets us up to five. Verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Is that not interesting that three of the seven things that God calls an abomination have to do with our words? Verse 17, a lying tongue. Verse 19, a false witness. Verse 19, anyone sowing discord. Discord is just causing problems. See, people with integrity and transparency, they do not lie, and they do not intentionally deceive anyone ever. It's very different to be mistaken and to be lying. People uh, use that word wrongly all the time. You're not lying to someone if you gave them bad information and you thought it was correct. Uh, you are lying when you give them information you knew was incorrect. And by the way, technically, uh, and uh, we had a lot of this when we were raising our boys, where if you don't act, ask the exact right question, you get an answer that's technically true but deceptive. You, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, that is not integrity, nor is it transparency. See, some people have the crazy idea their words don't matter much. Listen, they matter a lot to God, and they matter a lot in our key relationships, and so they should matter to us. Integrity pleases God. Lack of integrity grieves God, and it whittles away at the trust our spouse has in us. I hope you understand that trust is something first that is given, but it is secondly also something that is earned. And if someone won't do the things to rebuild trust, there will never be trust. And if the other person refuses to give trust, there will never be trust. Trust is two things. It's two directional. Now, let's just be honest. Most younger people, you have to purposely improve your integrity. 
Me think about this. Most of the time as a teenager, you spend your time just trying to fly under the radar with your parents, with your teachers, with your spiritual leaders. And most of the time as a younger person, you're kind of doing as little as possible in your work and flying under the radar with your boss. And, and, and you're really not, in most cases, as a younger person, you, you don't bring a lot of integrity and transparency to the marriage relationship. You basically, even the whole day, process. Have you ever thought about this? The whole dating process is about not being transparent about things that you think might break up the relationship until it's already sealed. And all that stuff, what it does is it adds together that when you come to, to the marriage relationship and now you're trying to have this key relationship God designed and transparency and integrity, they're not natural. Listen, when you have integrity and transparency, you have nothing to fear from your spouse looking at your stuff because you have nothing to hide. Transparency builds trust. Listen, if you and I are seeking to live a life that pleases God and understand that we answer to Him, you and I will find it much more easy to be open with other people. Paul said these words. You don't need to turn there. 1 Corinthians 4, 3. He says, with me, it's a very small thing. I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. You know why he said that? Because he knew he was going to answer to God. I, I, I'm glad when my, to answer my wife when she asked me, who's that phone call? Who are you texting? What are you texting? Here's my phone. When you have transparency, you have nothing to hide. You have nothing to fear. Uh, my desire for integrity with God and my wife uh, I, I, is something I really strongly desire. Uh, I tell my wife where I'm going. I tell her when I expect to return. So, why well, what do you think? She's your mother? No, she is my wife, my lover, and someone that I respect. And I don't want her to feel bad in any way. I don't want her ever... Uh, to, to feel like, well, I wonder what he's doing. You, you don't have transparency and integrity because you answer to them. Though if I answer to my wife, I'm fine with that. You have transparency and integrity because I love them and I don't want them to have any ill feelings about anything I'm doing. My wife is welcome to look at my internet. She can look at my phone. She can check my email. She can look at my texts. And if I ever, I don't even think I know how to delete stuff, but if, if I knew how to delete stuff, I, I would instantly feel to myself, wow, something's wrong. I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm deleting something. Transparency, integrity. Um, you should never have a secret life from your spouse. Every secret life will eventually collapse in your face. That's why Numbers 32.23 says this, be sure your sin will find you out. Now, ideally, uh, good communication and transparency and integrity is something you saw in your home as a child and you were clearly taught but your parents uh, but very often that's just not the case. 
and you need to just decide that, you know what, I am not going to be a slave to what I've seen and what I've experienced and what I've saw. I am going to learn what my creator taught me about these issues, and I'm going to let that stop with me. Uh, my dad just passed at 84 uh, a couple months ago. Uh, my dad's dad was an alcoholic. Uh, he used to beat my grandmother uh, physically, badly. And when my dad, well, he was a boxer, he was, uh, I guess, about 15 at the time, his dad came home uh, drunk and started to beat on his mom, and my dad jumped in there. He said, it stops today. He said, you're going to have to go through me from here on out. And my dad had to fist fight his dad and beat him up. Uh, my dad, I never saw him take a drink. He wasn't saved. But he said, this was all I knew, but it stops with me. I never saw him hit my mother. Uh, in fact, he was so warped from all that happened, he didn't even hit us. Which wasn't good, but that's another subject. L listen, you've got to decide that in transparency and integrity, whether you've seen it or not, you're going to build it. And, and by the way, one of the things you're doing that really helps us is what you're doing this morning. When you just regularly, and I recommend every time the doors squeak, when you just regularly come to some place that preaches and teaches the scriptures, what you are in effect doing is saying, God, look in my heart. God, look in my life. God, shape me. God, teach me. Are you living with transparency with your spouse? Do you have integrity toward them? Do you have a secret life? If you and I are going to become good communicators, we've got to build more transparency and integrity. Turn up a few pages to Proverbs 27. Talk about a second thing that builds good communication. Proverbs 27. And again, please, please don't hear that I am an expert at any of this stuff. I'm talking to you as somebody who learned this stuff and I'm trying to do better at it all the time. Uh, here's the second thing. Good communication involves good timing and subjects. And so you need to choose your timing and subjects wisely. Proverbs 27, 14. This is to me a kind of a funny verse. Proverbs 27, 14. He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it should be counted a curse to him. So what's that mean? It means like if you go to your friend's house at 4.30 in the morning, beat on his door, and he just comes down in his whitey tighties. So what's wrong? What's wrong? Hey, man, I just wanted you to know I love you. You're a great friend to me. See ya. Uh, even though he came to bless him, it was a curse. Timing matters a lot in communication. A lot of bad communication occurs when we have this idea that any time is a good time to talk about something important. Uh, don't lift your hand, but I'm sure probably most of your men are like me. I cannot have a meaningful conversation with the television on. Uh, Sharon can, but, but I can't. And so if, if she actually she starts talking about something, I've got I've, I've to pause it. Uh, I, I just can't do it. Uh, most men, we're just not good multitaskers. And, and so you as a wife, you're, or if your wife is like, you, no matter what, we need to find a good time to speak. 
It is almost always to bad, almost always bad to talk about anything important when you first see your spouse after work. It is almost always bad to talk about something important in public instead of private. It is almost always bad, and I use the word talk loosely, uh, to talk about anything important over text. Am, am I the only person, like in the morning, there might be a text, and uh, I get up, and if there's a text, I'll answer it, and, and then I just put my phone down and walk away. Anybody else text like that? You text, you go do something else, come back later, and oh, they responded. You, uh, listen, you can take nine hours to have a conversation, but what happens is if you're having, talking, talking about something important, uh, listen, that delay really ruins a good conversation. Don't talk about anything important over text. Um, I think some of the worst communication advice anybody ever gives, and I've heard people brag about this, me and my wife talk about everything. Me and my husband talk about everything. And it all, I don't say this, but it always goes through my mind, oh, you either don't mean that or you're dumber than a rock. Dear, do you really want your husband to tell you every time he thinks a woman's attractive? Sir, do you really want her to tell you every time she thinks your decision is dumb? I mean, think about it. Do, do you really want him to tell you every time, well, well that is a bad idea. <laughs> Listen, it is far wiser to understand that, you know what, there are things that we need to talk about. They may be painful, and you have to talk about them. And there are other things that are painful, and you don't really need to talk about them. And maybe, for the sake of your spouse, you need to just not talk about it. Our subject matter makes a big difference. Timing and subject matter really matters. Do you think your wife really needs to hear every negative thing someone tells you about her? Are you careful about what and when you choose to talk about with your spouse? Matthew chapter 5, and we'll wrap it up. I've only got two minutes. You say, good, you've already talked longer than I wanted to hear. Matthew chapter 5, good communication Here's the last thing. Good communication involves being understood. <laughs> it involves being understood. And so you and I need to choose ways that are least likely to be misunderstood. Jesus says something really interesting in Matthew 5, uh, 37. He says, but let your communication be yay, yay, yes, yes, or nay, nay, no, no. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Let your communication uh, be just yes or no. Uh, not anything complicated. Because more than that brings about something catastrophic. Our yes needs to be yes. If you don't. If, if, if you say, yeah, go ahead and do that, it's fine, then it needs to be really fine instead of you saying, yeah, go ahead and do that, and then you're furious that they did it. Saying yes needs to mean yes, and no needs to mean no. The goal of communication is to be understood. By the way, that's the goal of, communication, of teaching. Uh, my goal is not information on display. My goal is information transfer. And if I haven't transferred information, I haven't taught you anything. 
And if you and I are not understood, we've actually not communicated. And our communication is more than words. Uh, silence communicates something, but silence is easily misunderstood. Everybody here knows how to play the guessing game. What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? I said nothing. Is it this? No. Is it that? No. Is it this? You know, that, that is, though it goes on all the time, and every, you can smile because it goes on in your house, it goes on in my house. It's not good communication. Uh, texting communicates information and questions well, questions well, but it's easily misunderstood. Can I give you a basic rule about communication that really, really will, will help you in every area of your life? It'll help you at home, it'll help you in ministry, help you in, in the workplace. Here, is, here, here it is. The more important the issue is, the more important it is to communicate face-to-face. Text uh, has no facial expression. Uh, Text almost always gives you no opportunity to, uh, you know, immediately respond back. Listen, when you're looking at somebody's face, you can tell when they misunderstood you. When you text someone something, you have no idea. The more important the issue the more important it is to communicate face-to-face. Somebody in your relationship has to have the sense, because everybody here has had a disagreement over text. Somebody in your relationship has to have the good sense to text back, this is too important to talk about by text. Let's talk about this later. I literally just did that this morning, not with my wife, but with someone else, because the conversation was not going anywhere good. You're going to have disagreements, but the more clearly you communicate, the better off you'll be. Uh, You should have a pink piece of paper, write down something on it, some sort of a question, or a smiley face, or why are you wearing a fall tie in the middle of summer? You you, you know, whatever. Uh, The answer to that is, I just want